Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Live from the lovely Tampa, Florida area. Here he comes, Anthony Sullivan. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Sue. How are you? I am well. How are you, I guess, is my question. I, after this we are okay. We are almost resumed to normal. Almost. We, I, I'm actually calling you from a landline, which is a miracle, because we had no phones this morning, but they just all of a sudden came on. A power's back. Nobody got hurt that I know. There's house damage, minimal. Car damage, minimal. Office uh, seems to, it's, things are slowly returning to normal. Air conditioning on, which is a huge thing, and um, luckily we didn't get underwater. So I'm super grateful. It was a it's, it was a sucky week. Yeah. Uh, did, did did people need any of the products that you pitched uh, more than usual down there, Anthony? Jones? Well, I'm donating all the proceeds of my book to Hurricane Relief for this for this year. All of it is going. Every money, every penny that I make is I'm just literally flow through to 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 anyone that's helping out with the hurricanes. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of OxyClean. I know that, especially south of us. There's going to be a lot of OxyClean being used. There's going to be a lot of hurricane spin mops, a lot of in-and-out mops, a lot of uh, brooms. Oh, yeah, all my $20 cleaning products will probably go to good use this week. Well, I'm just really happy that you are so philanthropic, and, and nobody made you do that, but I think it's a great gesture because you know exactly what people go through when they have nothing because when you came here to America, you didn't have too much, did you? No, I I actually came in 1993, and I um, I had pretty much the money in my pocket. You know, I had like somewhere between two and three hundred bucks as I netted out with what I had by the time I I got myself here, and um, I quickly went to work and I bought a 1977 Ford Econovan. Um, for about 2500 bucks, and I lived in it for the better part of a, a year. And, um, and I, I filled it up with mops, and that was, that was my home base. And I drove all over the country selling mops out of the back of my van. That's how I got started. In, internally, what, what was in you, Anthony, when you came to America? What was instilled in you from your family, or, or what did you pick up that made you so driven and determined? I had been to America in the 80s, and I really love the culture of yes. If, if I could sum it up in a very a sentence, and I come from England where it's rainy and dreary, and there was a culture of no, and all of a sudden I went to L.A., and it was like a, it was like a different planet. And once I found an opportunity in England and I was having difficulty with it, I knew, I just had this feeling, this gut feeling. I'm like, you know what? I'm, Amer- I'm going to make it in America. I just, I, that's where I can, I just feel like that, that's where I can do it. And I, I also did the math. In England, we only have three or four big cities, um, London, Manchester, um, you know, London, Manchester, Birmingham, really. And I was like, you know, in America, there's at least 50 capitals to 50 states. So I'm pretty much sure that gives me I can work one city a week. And I just was like, I was like it's a massive market. I love the culture of anyone can make it. And I, I it, was, it was a dream, literally. It sounds so cliched. And I'm, I'm going to try and make it in America. And I got, got off my off the plane. And I was like, this has to work. And, and I, I, I knew one thing. I knew how to sell mops. 
and I had the pitch, and I thought, you know, I just got it. I just got to put my head down. I got to go to work, and I'm going to sell one mop at a time. And I got a five dollar commission for every mop that I sold. And I, I literally just went to work. I lived it, lived on top of the mops, slept on top of the mops. As soon as I sold the mops, I would buy more mops to make more money to sell more mops. It was the strangest way to make a living. Everybody thought I was crazy. And when did you find your footing where you could move out of the van and into a more permanent structure with, with you and the mops? Um, well, I, I actually was down at a home show. My, my big, the big picture dream was to get on television is what I wanted to do. And so I, I was looking for a break to get on TV. And I was kind of striking out. I was down in Florida, and um, I drove past HSN, which is the shopping channel, which is you know, what it is now. And I, a little light bulb went off in my head, and I thought, that's, that's where they sell stuff on TV, because we didn't have shopping channels in England at the time. And um, sure enough, the next day, I'm down at the, the Dome. Talk about right time, right place, right place product, right pitch, and I'm doing my shtick down at where the Tampa Bay Rays play now, the baseball team, and a buyer from the network saw me, and she came over, and she said, you know, you, you seem to have, you, you're good at this, I had a big crowd of people, and she said, Do you, would you like to come into the network and pitch to be on, on HSN, and I was like, yeah, where do, I, where do I sign, and I showed up the next day, and I pitched my way into HSN, and before I knew it, I was in front of cameras. And um, that's when I decided to, to settle my roots down and, uh, and move to stay in the Tampa Bay area because HSN was here. And that's really where I got started. And that's where I met Billy Mays. And Billy and I started working on OxyClean, and, and it all sort of happened from there. But it was very, very humble beginnings. And I'm super grateful, and I learned a lot. And um, it's been a journey, and I continue to be on it. I think it's awesome. Now, I, I think that a lot of times people hear the word no, and they find that to be somewhat negative, and they find failure sometimes to be fatal. In your profession, where have you gotten to the point where you could hear things like no and find something that didn't work out and actually take a lesson from of it from it instead of feeling defeated and dejected and not wanting to go on? What are those well, lessons in, you took? In my profession in the early days, and even to this day, I knew that it was a numbers game. So I knew the pitch worked, and I also knew it didn't work every single time. But if I did it enough times, that invariably over a day, if I was in the right place, I would make enough money. So all I had to do was pitch. So I, you know, sometimes I would do my pitch and I would sell zero. Other times I would sell five. Other times I would sell ten or one. And the no's, you know, I'm like, okay, those, that group of people just said no. And then I would start, I would literally fill up my bucket turn around, get reset everything, and start again. And I would just do it again. And then the next group of people would say yes. So I think, and I, I, when I you know, it's funny, because no one's ever asked me that, because there was a ton of no's. Like hundreds and thousands of people said no. But hundreds of thousands of people also said yes. So it was a case of not letting no get in the way. And I, I actually do write in my book that, you know, no is yes spelled wrong. <laughs> or, uh, and, and it... Um, you know, if I just did my pitch enough times, it was a numbers game, and I never gave up. I'm like, you know what, if I just keep doing this, it's going to work. Just keep doing what, you, what, what you're good. And when I did it on television, um, obviously the audience was so broad. I mean, you've never seen anyone more excited in their life. When Billy and I went on TV, and we were finally off the street, so to say, and they were in the TV studio, um, it was just an amazing moment. How did you find Billy? And I, I know you must miss him terribly, but how did where where did you two come together? Did you click immediately? Was this kismet? We I I 
at first we were competitive. But I, I, Billy sold a product that I sold in England called the Amazing Washmatic, and it was an, a car wash device. And I heard about him. Someone had told me there's a guy called Bucket Billy from Pittsburgh, and he's the best guy in America at selling this car wash. So when I, when I literally went to seek him out because I wanted to see – I wanted to see him. I wanted to watch him perform. I wanted to watch him do his thing to see if I could learn something. So when I went to meet him, he was actually not very nice to me because, you know, he looked at me as a competitor. Well, we ended up being on the road together for many years, and we became friendly. And then we, I had an utmost respect for him. He was just he was this amazing, amazing work ethic, an amazing driver, an amazing pitch person, just all-around great guy. And, you know, we just became like we were just from the same tribe, and then we, we – we worked at HSN together, and we were very competitive because we never did the same product. And then the owners of OxyClean in, the, in about 1999 asked us to work together on OxyClean, and that was when it clicked. All of a sudden, to put two of us in a room together with a common goal, and we, it, was, it was amazing. It was, a, it, was an, it was an amazing experience working with him, and it ended too quickly. For sure. Now you have the book out. You get what you pitch for, for control any situation, create fierce agreement, and get what you want in life. And uh, from our profession, because we do radio here, obviously sales is uh, very important to our survival and our livelihood. How do you tell people to translate this into getting what they want out of life in general? Look, I think this this book obviously is probably going to appeal to salespeople, but I didn't write it with salespeople in mind. I wrote it for moms, for kids, for people going to college, for people who are afraid, maybe are a little bit shy and afraid to walk into a room and don't have confidence. In life, today, tomorrow, this week, this month, you're going to be in a situation where you want something. You might want to ask for someone's hand in marriage. or That's a, that's a big one. You might want to, you might want to raise. You might want to... Um, um, to get that last seat on a hotel plane. You're trying to convince your kids to, to go to a restaurant they don't want to go to. You want to get into college and you have to walk in and pitch somebody. You're going to find yourself in a situation where you want something. And, and what I try to do in the book is I don't, it's not a book that doesn't leave, leave you with, like, you know, you need passion and you need purpose and all the stuff that some of these self-help books talk about. I get into the minutia, into the gritty, you know, the details of, right, what makes a great pitch from how you walk into the room how you take control, and I'm not talking about taking full control of the room, but how you take control of the outcome of what you want, to figure out your acceptable outcomes. If you make a mistake, I talk about how to handle your mistakes, um, how, to, how to sell without having to close, um, and how to, 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 what I call create, I call it fierce agreement, because if you trust the process, if you trust the pitch, you'll feel like you're not selling. It will just happen, and it will fall into your lap. And before you know it, the person will say you're hired. You got the job. Okay, you're on the team. Let's go and eat sushi instead of Chuck E. Cheese. You know what I mean? The kids will, will have buy-in because they, they will have bought your pitch. And I felt like no one had really written a book about pitching, and, and I've, I've done it. I started at the very bottom of the ladder, on the very bottom rung, and I'm still climbing it. But I, I wanted to get into it and explain to people that, you know, from everyday situations to trying to get a table at a restaurant to trying to meet someone that you find attractive, how you pitch what you want can be the difference between opening the door or the door getting shut in your face. You know that in America today, Sully, there are many divisions among people. And I'd like to know from your perspective, if if it's all hyped up, is there a reason that people seem divided? Do you see 
more unification in this country than division. And I just want to get your perspective as a little bit of an outsider. Now we know you belong to us, but how do you see this? You know what I learned this week? It's funny because we were in the wrath of a Cat 4 hurricane, and people are good. And I do feel that when, when it really hits the fan, when it really matters, we can still come together as community. And I think what's divided us and I think what's made these barriers go up, and I talk a little bit about it in the book, is the, the phones and the social media. And no one's talking to anyone anymore. It's all, it's all knee-jerk reaction. It's all emojis and, and, and Facebook, and, you know, and it's, it's with us, and it's not going anywhere. But I do feel that going down, talking to your fellow neighbor, your community, you're, you're on a human level, and connecting, I feel like it's, it's still there. I mean, I, the line guys that put my power back on this week, um, when my power came on, everyone's complaining about the power, right? Everyone's moaning about it. It's miserably hot. And I made the effort to, you know, the minute my power came on, I got in my car and I drove around the neighborhood to go find the guys working on the, and I got out of my car and I hugged it out with them. <laughs> you might call me a little bit weird. <laughs> they were blown away. It was the OxyClean guy. And they said, guys, thank you. I'm super grateful. And I think that there's not enough of that going on right now. And I think, you know, connecting on a human level and in pitching is you know, I'm not pitching for your own gain, but you're, you're connecting with another human being and you're, you're getting them to, to, to be on your page, if you will. And um, I, I saw people come together during this storm like I've never seen in, a, for, for, for in my life. So, yeah, I think, I think we're okay. I think so, too, because you sound very jolly for somebody who was just under such duress last week. You sound uh, positive and upbeat, and it's uh, great to talk to you, Anthony Sullivan. It's our pleasure to have you on the show. We wish you well with the book. We wish you well with uh, all your pursuits, and uh, we hope to hear from you someday again. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.